Welcome to Passing the Plate, the podcast that's all about food, traditions, and the incredible connections they create. I'm Ashley Covelli, the food writer and recipe developer behind Big Flavors from a Tiny Kitchen. And I'm Lisa Listen, the genealogist and family history expert behind Are You My Cousin? We are your guides on this flavor-packed adventure. We're not just talking about recipes. We're diving into family history, exploring new cultures, and preserving favorite recipes for future generations. In short, we're celebrating the stories and tastes that come with every bite. So grab a seat at the table and let's head out on a journey of flavor, tradition, and connection. This is Passing the Plate, where every episode is a feast for the senses and a celebration of togetherness. In today's episode, we are talking all about creating new family traditions in the kitchen. Because, well, our culinary heritage is not static. Food traditions can change throughout generations, and we can adapt to new ingredients and evolving traditions. Because as new families are formed, really, each, when you think about it, each individual brings their own family identity. They bring their own traditions to the family. And, of course, that includes foods. Holiday traditions especially can get a little tricky, but that's all right. It's well, I think it's a really cool thing to see when you have the holiday traditions, when they're merged and created, and you come up with this beautiful new family tradition around that's centered around the food table. Um, Lisa, I love this topic. Uh, as someone who moved from the Midwest to New York and married into an Italian family, I learned a lot of new things <laughs> about cooking in traditions, especially holiday traditions that were really different from what I grew up with. Um, what are some of your family's holiday traditions? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we definitely have a tradition and it's centered around cereal mix, what we call cereal mix. You might know it as Chex Mix, but it's really mm. not your ordinary Chex Mix. It's um, one that my mother make, would make up every holiday season. And it was only at the holidays. So it's, I guess, technically not a Christmas food, but that was when that was the only time it got made in our house. And the original recipe for it actually is from a church cookbook, an old church cookbook. And the whoever submitted it, actually, the title of it is called Canasta Mix. So my guess is it is something, you know, a snack type of thing that was made up to be eaten while they played Canasta or, you know, probably bridge. I love playing Canasta. Do you really? I, yeah, I legitimately, my grandparents taught oh, me. You're going to have to teach me how to play. I don't know how to play, but I, th- well, you need, but I would love to learn. You need teams. So you and Bob, huh? me and Dino. We'll play, play canasta. We'll teach you. Although, although so, quick sidebar, apparently the version that we play is not the actual version. So the version my grandparents taught me that my parents played and that passed to us. Um, I played with a friend who lives in the Berkshires and her husband and they're like, they, sh- they have like crazy intense rules. They're like, oh no, what you play is actually the, I want to say they called it the hand and foot version or something. So it's different, but the, my version is much less, um, High stakes, you'd have more time for eating your canasta mix. That's the important part, eating the canasta. But I <laughs> yes. love it because, you know, it's, it's when you think of it, it's just like the recipes evolve through cultures and over generations. Mm-hmm. So do the canasta games, right? So do the so games, do the games yes. right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, that, so, our, so our cereal mix or our Chex mix, it really kind of evolved over the year. Basically, it is um, corn checks and rice checks and wheat checks and pretzels and nuts and... We always put in the mixed nuts and we would always, okay, I know we weren't supposed to, but we would pick out all the cashews because that's what everybody wanted to eat. Anyway, <laughs> so, usually pecans. So you weren't picking out to avoid them. You were picking, we were picking out, out to, to eat, them, eat them, not to avoid them. We were picking them oh, to that's eat funny. them. Um, and then we would um, usually had uh, extra pecans in there because um, we had pecan trees close by. We would always, you know, so we always had a lot of pecans around. So we throw in pecans. Did you say your, your grandma or your grandpa had 
pecan trees? My grandparents had pecan trees. Yeah, we'd go pick up after Thanksgiving dinner. That was part of what we would do. We'd go around and pick up all the pick up pecans and um, and shell Um, them. And butter beans. They had butter beans too, but uh, (laughs) at least not in December. (laughs) But I didn't have to eat. If you didn't, if you didn't listen to our last episode, um, there's a whole bit about butter beans and how much Lisa very much. Does not enjoy them. No. When I was there, I was too busy. I skipped the butter beans and went straight for the cornbread. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. <laughs> We're really looping We're really it, looping it back here, guys. Um, so, yeah. But the so, so the so it did kind of evolve over, over the years. So um, now when we make it, we don't put the pretzels in because, well, nobody wanted to eat the pretzels. And they kept getting leftovers. So we finally, uh-huh. we quit putting in the pretzels. Um, I think we put in Cheez-Its now because the original cheese tidbits, you can't find them anymore, or at least not where we are. Mm. Um, so the Cheez-Its are pretty good. But it has a lot of, like, butter, and it's very salty because oh, it's yeah. got, you know, the onion salt, the celery salt, the garlic salt. I do cut salt back because it was just too much for me. Yeah. And so the really cool thing, so while that's a, a Christmas tradition kind of for our family, it's been my children ask for it now, you know, my brother's kids. So they all, it's just continued to be made. We knew things were really special when we were in college, and our mother would send, make make cereal mix when it was not the holidays and send us some. It was like the Ooh. best thing Aww. ever. You know that one food that you're used to having at Christmas or, or what, a certain mm-hmm. time of year, and you get it at a different time? It was the oh, yeah. best. She would make it for exams and send us some Exam. See, that's love. And it was it was just that's wonderful. Love. It was wonderful. So anyway, so that's one of the traditions. And so I introduced it certainly to my husband when he, you know, he said, Oh, this is good stuff. <laughs> now, does does he have feelings um one way or the other on the pretzels or the cashews? Um, <laughs> well, has he never even had it with the pretzels because he started leaving them out? I left them out. I did I have done pretzels occasionally over the years. One of my children is oh nobody dislikes pretzels. It's just they're right. less favorite, and so they would get left but, in the bottom. And now, so yeah, I mean, he's had them, but we just we just kind of skip the pretzels at this point. And now, what type of pretzels, if they're in the mix, is it like the nuggets, the twisty kind, the rod or the sticks, pretzel sticks? Usually, pretzel sticks. Um, okay. Because when I grew up, that's really all you had. That's all my mother had to mm-hmm. use. Um, so I mean, I have put in the little. The shape's really not a big deal. I don't I mean. You don't mm-hmm. have the thick rods or anything like that or the trunks. Yeah. But, well, they have the little like um, grid ones, you know, that's like yeah. a square. Sometimes it um, really depends on what's in the grocery store, what's available. Mm-hmm. For instance, for whatever reason where I shop, um, I have trouble finding the wheat checks. And so sometimes I have oh. to double up on one of the other checks and leave the wheat checks out, which is very sad because mm. I really like the wheat checks. But um, yeah, so sometimes I don't I don't put Cheerios in mine. I have, but I don't. It's just not right. It's what, not original so <laughs> to the recipe. So what I don't about like yeah? So I wonder if it would make a difference. You were talking about checks. I wonder if if say the store was out of checks, could you use Crispex? Isn't that another similar? I have tried that, or is that total blasphemy? I have tried it, and it's it's they have a little it different works. texture. I it's think the, there's a sweetness to it. They actually have a little bit of sweetness to them. Oh, um, okay. And so, yeah, because I think if if I'm remembering my cereals correctly. Checks is a little more squared and puffy, like mm-hmm. there's a little more air, like a little pillow. And Crispex, I think, is a little more like dense, and maybe it has like some, not like an octagon, but it's like got like a different. It's not a square right. exactly, yeah. right? And they were, mm-hmm. they were. There, there is a little bit of a hint of sweetness to them, which, but they, but they'll work. And I've, I've definitely used them in a pinch. Yeah, but I think that's one. If you can't, if you can't grow your own. <laughs> 
But it's really funny, you know, because store-bought is fine. You hear people talk about Chex Mix. Oh, my family makes Chex Mix. And, of course, I'm like, okay, yeah, what I make is not Chex Mix. Okay, I, yeah. Okay, yeah, I realize it's Chex Mix, but it's my Chex Mix, you know. It's definitely but I love, family, I love family recipe, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I love that you've you've kind of like morphed it over the years into what, you know, you still, you have the original recipe. Um, and that's something like when you go to document a family recipe, you know, having the original version, the way your grandma or whoever made it. And then you have that, you can keep it and you can always look back if you want, but then adapting it to how you want it now. I think that's always a good thing. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, so my, one of my like holiday food traditions that kind of, came to me, this is one that started not from family, um, but became a family thing, is um, it's called Uncle Tom's Cabin Moon Gulch Hot Chocolate Mix. Very wordy, and it's not my, my Uncle Tom. <laughs> it's from a middle school teacher of mine whose name was is Tom. Um, we got to have a day of school. I want to say I was in sixth grade, so I was the age my son is now. And one day, I, th- I want to say he taught either history or social studies. It's, I can't remember offhand, but this, this stuck with me. So we got to spend a day making this hot cocoa mix that he came up with while he was in a cabin that he has. And I think I have the notes that he gave me on my post, the post, I have this on my website. Um, he had some sort of notes as to kind of how he came up with it, but basically in a clean garbage bag is how we mixed it. Clean, brand new, fresh. <laughs> so, like, the, the imagine a bunch of middle school kids. He hands us each table, gets a garbage bag, and then he brings out all these packages of things. So, this is not, like, a healthy whatever. This is a – it's an indulgent mix. You need a lot of store-bought, specifically branded items. Like, you can't substitute and swap in this. Like, you need to go – for the ones that are a brand, it's not going to be the same if you change it. So, we've got instant non-fat dry milk. That can be whatever brand. Powdered sugar, same. Then it has Nesquik Classic Chocolate Powder. I remember that. So in his original recipe, the way he wrote it, it, it said like Nesquik. But I've since like noted the exact sizes and varieties because the sizes that things were available in when I was in sixth grade aren't exactly the same now. So I had to do a little bit of experimenting with it. Um, then you have Coffee Mate Original flavored original powdered creamer ovaltine and it's got he had just said ovaltine but it's got to be the chocolate malt powder um cocoa powder and since we start since i started making it years ago it was the regular hershey's but now um i do the special dark Um, and that was i'll tell you why in a minute and then ground cinnamon and it's just enough cinnamon to give it a little something but so we would pour all these things into the bag and we would seal it up closely, and we would all take turns shaking it around. And part of the in- instructions he gave us are, you know, watch out for the dust storm. Because when you open it after you shake all these <laughs> ingredients, you get a little bit of a cloud. So we got to put it into containers, and it was great because for the winter, whenever we would want, as long as we behaved, we could go. He had like a hot water, not a kettle. You know those, what are those coffee, like a carafe, not a carafe. You know the like big the big um, water bottles. Gosh, what are they called? With like a spigot, 
but they're hot. Yeah. They keep it warm. So, um, like that, they have at buffets and stuff with coffee, but it was just water. Yeah, like an urn. And so thing. we could, yeah. So we could um, make ourselves a little cup of hot cocoa whenever we wanted. It was great for the winter. And so that had stuck with me for so long. So when I started a food website, uh, well, sorry, let me backtrack. Me and my mom used to make it together and we would give it out as gifts at the holidays because it was so good. So we would package it up in either little jars or little like bags that had little fun prints on them and we would give it out to people so that they could have something like cozy and festive. Sometimes we'd put a little bag of mini marshmallows with it. Um, so that's something that we started, kind of became a holiday tradition. And I'm actually, I think this weekend we're going to, I'm going to make some with my son. Um, but once... Once I started having a food website, I was like, I want to share this recipe. And I was like, man, I wish I could remember the name of this teacher. So I had up his original version for years. And, you know, I was like, hey, I, I had tried, like, contacting the school, um, I, like, just to try to figure out, like, what was this teacher's name? Because there was a couple things that he did that were just really memorable, um, including getting in trouble for panhandling. That's how I learned what panhandling was. Because <laughs> he... He was playing the guitar outside his classroom, and he had an upside-down hat, and he was trying to get, make money for school supplies. Like So teachers have been getting not funded well for quite a while. <laughs> um, so anyway, years later, I'd had a couple people over the years comment and be like, I, did you go to school in Fort Wayne? And I think, I think I had that teacher too, and I can't remember his name. And then eventually, I don't know if it was his niece, somebody who knew him contacted me. And we were now Facebook friends. I've caught up with him. Wow. He's the one who told me he does um, dark Hershey's special dark chocolate or cocoa powder uh -huh. now. He also sometimes adds a little like cherry. Um, I can't remember if it's like like powdered cherry cordial or something like that. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. But um, we reconnected and it was really great. Um, he's uh, it's just it's fun. And then I've since made this recipe with my son's class. So I've like kind of brought it back into the school um, during the COVID years. I, I made batches of it to give to the staff um, at his school so they could have it in their break room and just like kind of put in a note talking about how teachers can make such an impact and how this teacher made it. He did something so memorable, like, okay, did I remember all the social studies or <laughs> U.S. history stuff? Like, maybe not. But there was like a real human moment of connection, and it just really um, – just, just kind of emphasizing that teachers really are special, and that's a you know that's a cool appreciating what they do. That you, that you, yeah, that started there, and that you were able to, to again pass on to your son and yeah. to share it with others. And uh, so, what I have to say is, so we did, we did know each other when you were actually looking for him because you know I am a researcher. I could have found him for you. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's before we met. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd have been all over that. <laughs> well, and I didn't place place it that his name was. Tom, like his first name was Tom. Right. I just remembered, yeah, I remembered vague bits about about the That's story. Funny. But um, yeah, I back in 2017, someone uh, commented on my my post on my website and said Tom Cashin is the teacher. I had him too for Spanish. That's funny. Y yep. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Sorry, let me. I have the comment. This is from 2019. Um, Cheryl Lynn wrote, hi there, I was looking up some of my teachers from high school, and one of them is Tom Cashin. This had to be the recipe. We were able to make hot cocoa every day in class. I was trying to find out what happened to him. Thanks for the recipe. So I was like, it was just kind of fun being able to like, 
all these random people have been searching for him on the internet. We didn't have Lisa to track him down for <laughs> us, but um, but now, but it's just cool because in case they lost the recipe, because he did have us like write it down in class, like copy it down. But in case any of them don't have it, like now they can find it if they wanted to. That is so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> have you ever asked Grandma for one of her secret family recipes? We've all been there. You try to bake her signature dessert, and it's a total flop. She swears she told you exactly what she does, a pinch of this and a dash of that and bake till done. But what does that really mean? With the Passing the Plate video webinar and ebook bundle, we'll help you record recipes in a way that's easy to repeat at home, learn to modernize favorite family recipes in a way that works for your lifestyle, and most importantly, preserve and share your culinary memories, recipes, and traditions with others. To learn more, head to passingtheplate.org resources. So I'm curious, you know, as as we talk about these memories from when we were ch children and stuff, but then, you know, you and I both are adults now, obviously married and have children and all that. And so I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's fun to see how we can combine things. I know that um, in our family, you know, I grew up more eating at the table, but my husband's family, you know, a little more on the go kind of eating traditions um, and, you know, certain, we had very specific foods at certain, at certain times of the year and I think a little less so on his side of the family. So I'm curious though, like what you might've had as far as when you got married and you, you know, you formed your new family, did you, mm. how did you handle that? Or how did you merge some of your traditions um, with your, with your husband? So, yeah, it's funny. Cause I think I was, we were the opposite of you and your husband growing up. I, had a lot of like me and my mom watching dinner or watching dinner, watching TV, eating dinner, um, not even at the table necessarily always, but my husband, his family always sat down for dinner. So um, we now with our family, I like when most of the time we sit down and we eat a meal together. Um, it's just, it's something, I don't know. I like being able to do that. Not that I have anything wrong with watching TV while eating, but we try to kind of, especially now that everybody's so connected to devices and tech all the time, we try to like take that time to, to have a meal together. Um, and uh, when I, so growing up in the Midwest, like Thanksgiving comes to mind. It was very like standard, like, you know, we have like green bean casserole and stuff like that. Um, so when I moved to New York and I had, uh, Thanksgiving with Italian an Italian family for the first time. I was a little surprised because their dinner spread for the holiday looked different than what I grew up with. Like there was turkey and gravy and stuffing, but then that's kind of where the similarities ended. So my father-in-law, he was an amazing cook. So he did most of the cooking, but he would do like an appetizer spread with like charcuterie and stuffed mushrooms um, that are like so addictive. They were like, I, I liken the addictiveness of the stuffed mushrooms to the addictiveness of the deviled eggs that my grandma used to make. Like they just, they disappear. They're so good. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, like, like I said, like charcuterie, he would do like a bruschetta sometimes. Um, and then my mother-in-law, she doesn't cook often, but when she does, um, like she does a uh, cheese tortellini soup with the, some of the meat from the I mean, store-bought tortellini. She's not making tortellini. But some of the leg meat from the turkey. And um, I kind of, she would serve a soup before the turkey, like before the entree for Thanksgiving. And we all kind of thought she was doing it to fill us up so there'd be more leftovers. Which, I mean, you know, that's not a bad. It's not a bad way to go there. Not a bad. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm um, thinking, I you know, to, we love leftovers. I'm check out that recipe, actually. So. <laughs> 
Um, well, that that one I don't have a recipe for, but um, but yeah, it's uh, th- but the appetizer spread definitely would would fill you up too. Um, but yeah, their side dishes were like roasted sweet potatoes and broccoli and garlic. So I was like, you know, where's the green bean casserole? Like, where's the mashed potatoes? It was just like a little strange. And um, they had gravy, but I. F- but I found out it was like I saw a jar from gravy. And so there's nothing wrong with any of this. Like that's all there's no right or wrong way to do the meal. It was just different to me. So um I I asked my father in law, I was like, Hey, have you like have you ever made gravy? And he's like, Oh no, you know, she buys the can the jars and I just use them. So I was like, hang on. So I want like the, the next year, I said, Let me show you, like we have the drippings. Like, let me show you how to make, and even if you don't have drippings, you can make really good gravy. Um, and I do have a recipe for that. Um, and he was, like, blown away. And so then, from then on, we would make gravy together. Um, and then we kind of started merging. So we would still do some of his side dishes, but then I would bring, so I would do green bean casserole. And I switched it from how I grew up was, like, the canned green beans. Mm-hmm. And um, I started using fresh green beans. And instead of the canned cream of mushroom soup, I think, is in the original. Um, I kind of, like, modified a few recipes that I'd found to make, like, my own kind of creamy mushroom base and then with the fresh green beans, and it's just really delicious and different, and they love it. Um, My husband's cousin, that's, like, her biggest request now at Thanksgiving. Like, she wants those green that green bean casserole. Um, So, yeah, just we kind of, like, merged our traditions. So it's become... A little from each of our childhoods and then, like, a little bit of new things. I love that, actually. And it, really, for your son, it's a great way to, to have those two cultures that are actually in those two heritages to be combined on that day. I think that's a really yeah. great great way to do that kind of thing. Um, I think that's And I think that's one of the really fun things when it comes to food. And because there's so many traditions that surround food. And mm-hmm. I think when you, you know, can bring children into the kitchen you can start to create new recipes you can like uh, like how you said you redid the green bean casserole uh, which is interesting Mm -hmm. that because you're from the midwest i'm from the south and green bean casserole apparently is universal because we have that down here too and um except in new york it wasn't here (laughs) (laughs) it skipped the coast coast. okay but so yeah so you know but that you could make it so that it's very unique now. It's it's a, it's a little updated mm-hmm. for your family. But and I think that's what our. I mean, I, honestly, I think that's what our, our our grandmothers did. Our ancestors did. I think they, you know, they modernized as they went along. We tend to think that that was very, st- you know, that this is the way they did it. They this is the way it had always been done, but not necessarily. I mean, they would have. I know my grandmother, you know, as things became more easy, you know, more more convenient or new ways of cooking, new kitchen conveniences yeah she she embraced that and she would change those foods up a little bit to make them more um i, I want to say more modern but easier to make and and be able to create so i think it's a really good way to to do that kind of thing in the kitchen yeah making it doable for where you are in your current season of life because like yes you can make some things from scratch but maybe right now you just don't have the time so stovetop stuffing is fine <laughs> like that's not we don't have to go crazy with it and I actually th- this past Thanksgiving I made a recipe 
from somebody else's website, um, Serena Wolf, I'll share the link in the show notes, um, that uses stovetop stuffing as a base. And then it has Italian like chicken sausage and some apples and stuff. And it was pretty easy to put together. I was able to do half of it the day before. And my husband said it was the best stuffing he'd ever had. And that was the first time I made stuffing. Wow. He loved it. And he loves stuffing. So that sounds really you know, good. It doesn't always have to be everything from scratch. Yeah, it was it was yeah. very, very good. Yeah, and, and food traditions really don't even have to be you know, we, t- we obviously we're talking a lot about food and, 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 and meals, but it can really be um, things such as a favorite candy that you might have had mm. or that was carried. So we, we um, loved, you know, our family, we love food. We used to love to watch the Food Network and all the, there oh, was yeah. a show called Unwrapped and they would talk about how they made mm-hmm. things. And so somehow we got to watching that and we, we started when we would travel with the kids, we would, we'd have our little own, um, not unwrap, but we'd have our own little food. We call it our little food tours, our food. Oh my gosh, I yeah. love that. And so, like, we'd go to a place and learn how to make make pretzels, you know, or something like that. We'd learn how. But there was this one food that they had, I think, showcased on that show, Unwrap, called Cowtail. Well, I never. Oh yeah, I never heard of that. Okay, so I didn't never heard. Of I think in Wisconsin. I think they were popular in okay. Wisconsin. Well, so my husband grew up in Boston, and so that that was one of his favorite ones. And so, and we, and he would talk about this, and so then we actually ended up on a vacation, and he's. And we were someplace and they had them, you know, and he was like, ah, so, you know, the kids got them and everything like that. And they were excited. So it's a really fun memory to be able to pull mm-hmm. those kinds of um, connections out and, and you know, um, the stories that came with that from my husband about those. And, of course, we got to try them, and which they're really delicious. I just had never heard of can one. You, can you describe what it is for people who haven't had one? I just remember it's Do long and it's chocolate. Is it, what's inside? I don't even remember what's inside it. To be honest, is it a nougat inside of it? But I remember it's a I long package. Maybe it's different. I remember it being long. Like imagine not a Slim Jim, but imagine like the, yeah. the shape of a Slim yeah. Jim. But I rem- for what I'm picturing, maybe it was something different. Was like I thought caramel. That sounds with like right. a creamy type of thing in the middle. Oh, that sounds right. That sounds more right about it. Because you, you've actually had. But either way, it was memorable. I think so, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There, there was one candy um, that I had used to love growing up. It was from that company Brock's. Mm-hmm. Um, they were called Maple Nut Goodies. We used to get them in Indiana all the time. And I've looked. They don't sell them anymore. And I found something on Amazon that was like similar enough. But man, it was like a there was like a peanut inside, but it was coated in this like um, light. I don't maple candy coating. It was so good, but mm-hmm. they don't make them anymore. Um, but yeah, it's just traditions. I, I think it's important to know that just keeping old traditions is fine. Modifying them is fine. Coming up with your new ones. Um, one of the traditions that I came up with my family, like we were talking about sitting at the table together, is just um, we go around, we take turns. I instigated this because um, some of my family members might lean a little toward the let's complain about things mode. And so I wanted to focus on like, let's talk about something positive. So we take turns saying three good things and then one thing we're looking forward to. So from the day, what are three good things? So we, you know, here's my first good thing. And it's like, even if all you can come up with is I have a roof over my head, I have a meal on the table, just something to try to like be thankful for. But it's also a good way to kind of check in on what's going on on the days of the other you know, the people around you. So um, I encourage you if you need some banter at the dinner table or if you just want to practice a little bit of gratitude, that's a good a good option. I love that tradition. Um, 
we try to do it every day. I Sometimes it's just like people aren't in the mood and that's fine. Um, but uh, want to get the recipes we talked about in this episode? You can find them in the show notes at passingtheplate.org slash 06. That's a wrap on this episode of Passing the Plate. We hope you enjoyed our journey into the world of food, traditions, and the amazing connections they create. It's been a pleasure sharing these stories and flavors with you. Remember, food is more than just sustenance. It's a way to connect with our past, present, and future. So keep sharing your meals, keep passing those plates, and keep creating memories that will last a lifetime. Head to passingtheplate.org slash podcast for show notes. 